The advice and opinions expressed by the host of Autism Live and her guests are meant solely as suggestion and should not be in any way construed as child-specific advice. Any choices you make in determining your child's treatment are completely at your own discretion. Good morning and welcome to Autism Live on the Autism Network. If you are joining us for the first time, we're so thrilled that you're here. If you've been a longtime viewer, so thrilled to welcome you back. We've been on a little bit of a hiatus during the holiday season, and this is our first show, live show back. Um, and there's big news. Uh, this is considered our absolute hard launch on the Autism Network, although we've been doing shows on the Autism Network now for a couple of months, but thrilled to, to get to the hard launch. And you're going to see that there are some changes coming in the schedule, some of which I'm going to go over in just a second, but we are thrilled to be here. I hope you just loved our new opener that we launched with in November uh, for Autism Live. That video, I think that video encapsulates where we're going. Um, because that video was done entirely end to end. The music and all the animation were all done by people who are somewhere on the autism spectrum. And uh, we're going to talk a little bit about that and why that's important to us uh, throughout today's show. I do want to give you a couple of programming notes, though. If you are watching us live right now, you're probably watching us on Facebook, on YouTube, on Twitter, Twitter, Twitter. Well, there's a new site uh, or about a dozen other places that we go out live. Um, we love being live. We're going to continue to bring you live shows because we think that that interaction piece where you guys talk to us and we talk to you is just super fun. Um, I, we hope on both sides. Hey, Vanessa, how are you? Happy New Year. Like that, being able to say hi to Vanessa. Uh, so we, we still want to, it's called Autism Live because there is a certain amount of it that is live. So we want to keep that element, but we're also going to be bringing you some more uh, shows and elements that are pre-recorded because we have the ability to do things pre-recorded that we can't do live, right? And we can spruce things up a little bit um, and we can make opportunities for other people to participate because not everyone is available at this hour in the morning, Monday through Friday. Um, so you're going to see a nice mix, I think, of live stuff and pre-recorded stuff, but we're live right now. Today is Monday, January 10th. And it is 2022. So uh, this is, in actuality, this is uh, the first episode of season 11 of Autism Live. How scary is that? 11 seasons. And we're talking 11 years. Not like when they do short seasons where they do four months and then they go, okay, you know, we're still in the same year. We're talking 11 years. We're starting the 11th year today. So uh, thrilled and excited to be able to do that. But it does mean that you start to hone in on what you want to do and what you think makes sense. Uh, good morning, Christina. So thrilled to have you here. So first thing I want to say is that we're still going to be live on Mondays with Autism Live, except when there's a holiday or something like that, and then we'll do a pre-recorded, right? Um, then we are moving Ask Dr. Doreen here. This is the big headline. Ask Dr. Doreen is now going to be on Tuesdays. 
Hearts. So starting tomorrow, good morning, Michelle. Starting tomorrow, Ask Dr. Doreen is live on Tuesdays. I know it's a big mental shift, but uh, we needed to do that to accommodate Dr. Grand Pichet, and we all want to know what she has to say, right? So if you've never watched Ask Dr. Doreen, Dr. Doreen is, Dr. Doreen Grand Pichet is uh, a true expert in the field of autism, and she gives us an hour every week where she answers your questions. It's called Ask Dr. Doreen. You can also catch um, Ask Dr. Doreen on TikTok. She's spending more and more time on TikTok. So I never thought I'd say that, but I'm saying that. So, uh, and I'm dealing with all the feelings, right? <laughs> Dr. Doreen's on TikTok. Okay. And answering questions from people around the world on TikTok about autism. I, I, you know, you gotta love it. So then on Wednesdays, we will be doing another version of Autism Live where we hope to be bringing you more experts from around the world, more scintillating stories. We will continue to do jargon of the day on Monday and Tuesday, or excuse me, Wednesday. Uh, in fact, we're about to do that in just a second. But then on Thursday, we're moving Let's Talk Autism with Shannon and Nancy to Thursday. And then Friday is going to be, for the next couple of months, we're doing there will be some special shows that will have the potential to be live. There are some best of some of our Temple Grandin episodes that will be airing, but we are hoping in the month of April, we're working on it, that we are going to launch our newest podcast. I'm going to get emotional. I'm so excited about this because this is where we're going. Um, this is this is part and parcel of the whole right here. We are going to be launching a new show called Stories from the Spectrum. And here's the amazing thing about it. The goal for this show is for it to be like a 60 minutes show so that every single hour episode will have different segments, which will be created by individuals who are on the spectrum. So if you are someone who's on the spectrum and this is exciting to you, we're going to be taking submissions from people, um, partnering with different organizations that you know, if you have a video, um, if you're an animator, if you're somebody who's creating works or you're somebody who's been saying, why, why aren't we having people on the spectrum interviewing people on the spectrum? Well, we want to hear from you. Uh, we want to know because uh, we're starting to put together uh, this new show, Stories from the Spectrum, and we want it to be content that is for and by people who are neurodivergent. Um, and I'm so proud of that and proud to just be someone who is uh, facilitating the show, not um, not creating it at all. I want this uh, and, and all of us that are involved in this at the Autism Network want this to be driven by um, individuals who are, I'm going to use the word neuro neurodivergent, and then we're going to talk about what how we're defining that in just a second. That's our jargon term for the day. I didn't tell you that it's a secret. Uh, anyway, uh, I, I we're saying, uh, hello to, I don't know how to, is it Oksana? Uh, we're saying hello to you as well. Thank you for joining us. By the way, if you want to be writing in right now, you can, it's super easy. If you're on Facebook, Twitter, or YouTube, you can write right in and it shows up here. Parker, good morning. How are you? Did you have a happy new year? Uh, so just like that, you can be writing in and joining us here. So we hope that you will do that. If you're watching us in podcast, and we do podcast the show uh, to pretty much anywhere that you get your podcasts, and you have your choice, you can get it with picture and sound or just sound. If you want to take us for a walk, we're happy to walk with you, right? So 
that's basically the news. If this is your first time watching Autism Live and you're like, what is this? Who is this crazy woman? Uh, welcome. Um, I, uh, I totally identify if you want to call me, uh, a, a crazy woman. Oh, uh, Trayvon is reminding me that I do need to tell you that when the live shows are live at 10 AM Pacific time. So whatever that translates for you, if you're watching on the East coast, that means one o'clock, obviously central time, it's noon mountain time. It's 11. I think that means that, is it on at 7 AM in Hawaii? And then I don't know how to do the math on all the other places in the world, but I know that you guys do know how to do that. Um, so 10 a.m. Pacific time is when our shows are live Monday through Friday. They will play, um, but you can catch us in podcast. We're really encouraging people to subscribe to the podcast right now. In fact, there's going to be some content that will only be released to our podcast subscribers. So more about that to come, right? Um, but not stories from the spectrum. Stories from the spectrum, we anticipate that airing on Fridays starting in April. Uh, and I'll let you know more about that schedule uh, as, as we get closer to April. Uh, okay, so uh, in any case, I hope that I hope that you will check us out. We have 10 years worth of videos that you can search. You can now find us. We're still on autism-live.com. But we are also, if you want to start migrating to the place, the hub, where all of the stuff will be, it's Autism Network. No hyphens. Uh, AutismNetwork.com. Isn't it so much easier to remember? AutismNetwork.com. That's all you got to know. And then you can hook up to Ask Dr. Doreen. You can hook up to all of our old content, all of our new content. It's You'll be able to hook up to stories from the spectrum there. So we encourage you to go uh, and check that out. We're working very hard to um, put in place a lot of moving parts. And we're a very small team. We're the little engine that could. And uh, so we want you to join us there. I do want to say, too, Autism Network does not yet have a real logo. We have like a placeholder logo. And that is because, and you will see there's a press release going out later on this week, we are getting ready to hold a contest for um, someone to create the new logo for us. And what this contest, the uh, we've got you know all the rules, but basically the rules are that we are only taking submissions from people who consider themselves neurodivergent on the spectrum. Um, you know, we're looking to support artists who are neurodivergent. And again, I'm gonna define that for you in just a second. Um, so we want, we're taking submissions. We're going to choose a winner. The winner will get a $500 honorarium for the use of the logo. And uh, so more on that in the coming days. But if you know an artist, if you are an artist, uh, we hope that you will submit your artwork. It has to say the Autism Network. Pick the colors that you like. If there's, you know, some sort of a... Uh, I don't know, a graphic or a picture or whatever, we're taking submissions. So very excited about that. All right. Uh, I do have to tell you guys that uh, we have many experts that are here on the show. I'm not one of them. This is not, I'm not purporting to be an expert at all. My, my role, how did I come to this community? First, I was a teacher and I had students that were in my classroom, um, but I knew nothing about autism nothing about um, that at all. I, I, when we talk about neurodivergent, 
I think uh, I'm going to cop to, I certainly knew stuff about that and how to teach people who didn't learn in the way that supposedly people learn, right? Which is like two kids in the classroom, right? And that always excited me. But I didn't have children and I didn't have a child on the spectrum and I did not have a diagnosis of anything. Um, you know, then I had a child and my son was uh, what people would have dubbed typically developing and then he wasn't. And eventually he was diagnosed with autism. He had been speaking. He lost virtually all of his ability to communicate in any form, language or otherwise. And um, it was a very scary time for all of us. Um, I don't know what it was like for him. I would love to know what it was like for him, I think. But um, I know what it was like for me. And what I all I wanted to do was help him. I wanted to know who he was. I wanted to, you know, understand what he was trying to tell me. I wanted for his needs to be met and I needed to know what those were. So we, I was terrified because the one thought that kept running through my head was I, I'm, I'm going to blow this. I'm not up to this. I, I, I don't know what to do. I feel inept. I don't know how to be of service to my child. Um, and we found really great help and support. And the, the deal that I made on my bedroom floor was, you know, God of my understanding, help me to help my child. Please don't let me blow this. And I promise you, if you help me to help my child, I will do everything that I can to help the next person. And so that is why I am here because my son is brilliant and fabulous and wonderful. And we found our way. It wasn't always easy. In fact, it was almost always hard <laughs> for him, for me, and for, I'm sure, for my husband and anybody who was around us. It was hard. It was worth it. Um, I, my son is perfect in every way. You can't convince me otherwise. Um, my son is an interesting individual, but he can communicate his needs and he can do what he wants in this life. Um, you know, um, we can talk about everything else, but I, my son is now, uh, he just finished his first semester of his freshman year of college with absolutely no support whatsoever. He has not identified as someone who had a diagnosis at some point in his life, and he did smashingly uh, in his first semester of college. So this, you know, this is uh, all that I could, I couldn't even have hoped for that at one point, uh, because people were telling me that I couldn't, and I'm calling poppycock on that. Um, everybody is different. Each individual deserves to be treasured for who they are. But as a former teacher, I still believe in teaching and allowing someone to do the things that they want to do. That's the space from which I'm coming. So Autism Live, our mission is to provide information and inspiration to the autism community. And when we say autism community, we're talking about individuals who are on the spectrum. Of course, they are the beating heart of our community, but we're also including everyone who loves those individuals, which I believe at some point, you know, the goal is that that needs to be the whole world, doesn't it? I mean, it's crazy to me that it's not the whole world, but we're going to work on that, right? Um, and how do we be allies? How do we be allies without being ableist? How do we truly support individuals to help them? How do we do that taking you know, their lead on what is important to them? But how do you do that when your child is two and has no functional communication? Um, so we're going to talk about all of those things to get to a brighter place. 
because uh, I'm not happy with where the conversation is right now. I, I just have to be honest that I'm not happy with the strife even within the autism community. I'd like to think that we can get to someplace. So I am not an autism expert. I do not claim to be an autism expert, but I, what I do want to be every day on this planet is someone who is supportive of individuals on the spectrum and their families um, and their employers and their spouses and their, you know, lovers and their, you know, uh, their landlords and, you know, like, let's create the world that we want to see. Um, but that starts with us, right? Uh, okay. So, uh, but don't mistake me for an expert. That's not the role that I'm playing here. Although I have an opinion. Like I always say this, I have an opinion, but don't mistake me for an expert. Okay, so uh, let's quickly get to the jargon because then you guys are writing in questions. And especially I see Parker, you have a question about the logo and I'm very excited about that. We're going to get to that in just a second. But on Mondays and Wednesdays, we like to kick the show off with something we fondly refer to as the jargon of the day. Now we started doing this 10 years ago. Uh, this was the first concept for the first show was that, holy Christmas. Uh, the jargon can sink your boat, right? If somebody is talking to you, an expert, and you're seeking help, and they start using words that are in another language, you're like, how is that helpful to me, right? And the truth is, is that what I discovered is when you start to understand the jargon, it's actually helpful. Um, so we try to make friends with it. One word, one phrase, one acronym at a time. We first give you the actual definition. Sometimes it's appropriate for us to make fun of the actual definition because it's so steeped in other jargon that it's, you know, it's pointless, right? Or they just rearrange the words uh, and say like, well, you know, what's the flurgan flurgan? Well, the flurgan flurgan is the flurgan to flurgan. I don't know. I'm still lost, right? But then we always get down to a working definition, which is something that we hope will help you to access the point of this jargon, right? Sometimes that makes people break out into hives because it's a little less than perfect, but it gives you the feeling of it. And we always say to you, don't get frustrated with yourself. If you're not getting it right away, join the club. We've all been there, right? Um, but give yourself time to process and see things in the real world. And, and as it unfolds in your life, eventually you'll go, okay, I think I'm beginning to get that. And one day you'll go, no, 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 I totally understand what that is, right? That's what we're going for so that you can use it my, my mantra always is, how can I help you to save five minutes and five dollars, right? And uh, if you learn these jargon terms, eventually it does save you five minutes and five dollars guaranteed. And sometimes it helps you to get to the progress or to be able to know what word to say to the expert. This is what I'm going for. This is what I want. Not this, th this. And then they go, oh, oh, okay. I can, here's what I have in my bag of tricks to help you to do that. Okay. So today's jargon term, I already told you it was a secret, but if you remember, I told you what today's jargon term. For the first time on the show, uh, we are taking on the word neurodiversity. Dun, da, da. I was like, what jargon term would we like to start this new season off? And this seemed only fitting. Uh, this is a, a, a term that is growing in popularity. And I want to talk about why and why you might like it or why you might not like it, right? So the actual definition from Wikipedia of neurodiversity is ready for this, referring to individual differences in brain functioning regarded as normal variations within the human population. 
I love this definition because Wikipedia is already saying that it is normal for there to be variations in the human population of how the brain functions. Isn't it nice to get permission from Wikipedia? I mean, I don't even mean to be snide about that, but how crazy is it that we have to get to a place where we can create a term which gives people permission to have their brains function in different ways and we would call it normal variations. I mean, that's really where we're at, but I applaud that at least we're there because a couple of years ago, I don't think we were there and not everybody is on this page, but I really, I, I, I appreciate this. Let me say this. I won't say that I love it because it's like, wow, uh, we really have to, we have, really have to say that. Yeah, we really do. So um, now let's go to our, I'm not making fun of this. You know what I'm saying? Um, but now let's go to our working definition, which this is really the heart of things. It's understanding the concept that you can be different and it does not make you less. And what, what the term neurodiversity seeks to do is to stop stigmatizing difference in brain functioning. Let's stop stigmatizing it. We are a society that loves to put things into nice, neat little boxes. And I don't know about all of you, but there was a day and a time when I didn't know what I know now that I asked the question in all earnestness, in all, you know, the vulnerability that came with it when somebody said to me that my child had an autism spectrum disorder, that he was on the spectrum. And I found myself saying, is that a good thing? Um, or, or is, or is it the others? I don't even want to say it. Right. And what I've learned over the years is that why do we need to quantify things? Like it's for me and the way I explain when so many times when we used to, before COVID, when we used to be at conferences or we'd be at a walk or an event or something like that, and we'd have a booth at some point, a parent would like have asked other people at other booths and they would say, uh, you know, one of my kids is on the spectrum, one of them isn't. How do I explain autism to the kiddo that is not on the spectrum? And they would all like, it was funny, it got to be like a joke. People at other booths would be like, oh, take them over to talk to Shannon. Um, because what I would say to a kiddo, if they were old enough to understand, do you know computers? Yes. Uh, okay, well, you know, do you understand that there are Macs and there are PCs and that yes. And, and I would say, you know, which one is better? Which one is right? You can't, you can't argue that anymore. I mean, we used to, we used to spend, you know, commercials and time arguing about which one is better. I don't hear anybody arguing about that anymore because people like both. They're very different but you can install an app on uh, a Mac that helps it to run a program that runs well on a PC. And you can install an app on a PC that helps things run on a Mac, right? Um, but there are benefits to a Mac. It's inarguable that there are some things on a Mac where, it, you know, it's just, there's a little bit more finesse. There's a little bit more fluidity with it. And likewise, there are some things on a PC where it just, it just, clunks a little bit different, right? It works a little bit different. And I would argue that this neurotypical thing that everybody's so attached to, uh, which I'm not even sure that we shouldn't retire that, 
Um, but you know, this, this idea of what was normal brain functioning is maybe a PC and that for people who are neurodivergent, you know, maybe they're a Mac and maybe they're a type of computer that hasn't even been invented yet, but let's stop saying that something is better or worse. We stopped that with computers. And what we started saying is I like this functionality of a Mac, but I like to be able to do that. Have you got an app that I can put on my Mac that allows me to do this? And as a society, we invented stuff that helped the Mac to be able to do all the things that a Mac does well, plus a few things that maybe it couldn't do without the app. Um, and we stopped arguing, uh, you know, and you pick which one you like. It's the same thing with cars, you know? I mean, there's lots of different cars out there and people who like different things. It's okay to be different. So this is the basis from which I, I just want to make it clear that here at Autism Live and at the Autism Network, this is the basis of where we're coming from. Different, but not less. This is the hill I'm prepared to die on because... You can't tell me that my brain works better than my son's. I know that's a lie. I know that that isn't the truth. Now, on the flip side of it, there are things that my son wants to be able to do. So I, I always want to be coming that, that he currently can't do. Well, that's sort of, there are things that I want to do that I currently can't do. But the human condition is that we are constantly moving, growing, and changing. So I want to encourage, and, and, and it's like planting a garden, right? And I want to plant diversity. I want to plant diversity and then I want to cultivate and I want to be a part of nourishing and, um, you know, uh, giving nutrients so that diversity can grow and helping, you know, so that if, if somebody says, well, I'm really good at this, but I'd like to learn this, that we not quantify it and go, well, you can't, because I believe that people can do all kinds of things. Um, and I certainly believe in the power of the neurodivergent brain. I, you know, one of the first interviews that I remember hearing Temple Grandin do, she was, it was right after the Fukushima plant um, had failed and had meltdown. And, and I remember Temple Grandin saying, you know, the problem here is that they didn't have a person on the spectrum looking at the plants. And she said, because I can tell you, my brain works in a way that I see things from all angles that I, you know, I, I build things, I create things. So my brain can see things from up above. And she said, I could, I could have taken one look at that Fukushima plant and have told you eventually water is going to seep into that basement and, and it's going to infect the water around it. She was like, it's just a no brainer. My, my brain sees that easily. They made a mistake not having somebody who had a different functioning brain on this project. And I remember going, that's powerful. That's the truth. Um, so, um, and I see that somebody has written in and said that my son is low functioning. Not sure I can say different, but not less for him. And I'm sending you a hug. And I, but I want to, I want to stop for a second and I want to address that because what we have seen over the years is that um, there are some people that 
we look at, and, and remember it's contextually, when people say functioning level, it's contextual, right? So, um, you know, I love Elaine Hall says, um, you know, if you are, if the task is being able to put together the gear to climb on top of a mountain, then her son is high functioning. He'll be the most functional person on the mountain because he's capable of doing that. If you're going to do organic gardening and you want to lay out a plot and do organic gardening, her son is going to be the highest functioning person or one of the highest functioning people in the room. But if you're going to write a dissertation on, you know, anything, you're going to, somebody's going to call her son low functioning. So Let's remember that it's contextual. But what we've seen over the years is that there are many people who don't have functional communication, who aren't able to have contact with the world outside them. They might be someone who is engaged in a lot of um, behaviors that they are focused on, right? But we find that when they get older, that when they are given a means of functional communication, what we discover is that that individual is actually brilliant. That IQ is off the chart. We have seen this time and time again. Um, I would encourage you, there's a book out right now um, about Emily Grodin. And it's called I've Been Buried in a Hundred Years of Dust about a young woman who uh, there was no functional communication and, um, you know, she writes beautiful poetry now. Uh, I, there's also, uh, Carly's voice about Carly Fleischman. Carly Fleischman would have been considered the severest of the severe and her parents bless their hearts eventually got to the point where they were like, she's, we're not going to be able to teach her the alphabet. We're not going to be able to teach her to speak. We're not going to be able to teach her to communicate. She has no, um, thank you. I have been buried under years of, under years of dust, a memoir of autism and hope. Thank you for that, Trayvon. <clears throat> I always get the title wrong. But anyway, Carly, you know, there, there was no, no sense that she even understood what the alphabet was, no sense that she even understood that the concept of one versus two, none. And, and her parents eventually said it is unkind of us to continue to try to put her in a situation to teach her those things because it's beyond her capability. And I, Google her because um, when she was 13 years old, her parents were away on a vacation and left her with caregivers. And she, again, not someone that they even thought knew the letter A, right? Um, and she took the computer from the caregiver and typed out the words, my teeth, it was my teeth hurt help. Um, and what they discovered was that Carly had has a high IQ. Google and see Carly interview Channing Tatum. Uh, Tatum, Chan I always get his name confused, but it is one of the most wonderful, heartfelt, like beautiful things. Carly still does not have spoken language, not, neither does Emily. Read what they write um, and don't give up. Um, I, I don't want to minimize the challenges that you are going through with your child, but I want to pack hope into your backpack. Um, that, that we're finding that there's so much more going on on the inside. So I, you could not tell me that Emily or Carly, um, you know, no one could call them less at all. In fact, Emily's poetry is just, whew, 
Um, and, and nobody knew that that was in there. No one knew for the very longest time. I don't think Emily typed anything until she was like 25, 27. So, um, don't give up, don't give up. Um, and this is, this is the space from which we're coming. Yes. There are some individuals who have huge challenges <clears throat> and, and we don't want to minimize that at all. And as a caregiver of someone who has huge challenges, it's, you know, I mean, there's a lot going on and we, we're not leaving you out of this conversation. You're a big part of this conversation. Um, and we do believe here at Autism Live that there needs to be a de designation for people who have extreme challenges. And I do not know that everyone has the intellect and the IQ that Carly and Emily do, but I do believe that we should assume that it's there and keep mining for it. Um, so I'm so glad that you're, you're feeling the hope. There are two books out there that you can, you know, hear their stories. I've been buried under years of dust, a memoir of autism and hope. And Carly's voice is the book that her dad wrote and she wrote a part of it, but, but Google her. So, and watch her do the interview with Channing Tatum. Is that his name? Channing Tatum. It's like two last names. I always get it confused. It's a problem for me. Uh, lovely, lovely gentleman. Uh, don't, don't mean to mess up his name. But in any case, this is this is the space that we've got to come from. I love the first time I met Nancy Allspot Jackson, one of the first things she said to me was, you always, always, always have to presume intelligence. Always. That sometimes someone is locked within their circumstances and does not have the ability to communicate with us in our form of communication to tell us what they have going on. But I think you're going to see some of the beautiful things that these individuals um, will say once they're given the opportunity for functional communication. Uh, Channing Tatum, thank you, Bella. I don't know, I get like, is it Channing Tatum? Channing Tatum. Um, it's terrible that I can't remember his name. In any case, different, but not less. This is the basis from which we're gonna come, but we always like to encourage people to, you know, just like uh, Ushala just did, you know, tell us where you're at uh, because there is room here for all of us. This is the place that I want to come from um, as we move the conversation forward. Okay, so now let's move on to our question of the day, shall we? Uh, and our so this is one you can write in on whatever platform you're watching us on. Uh, we want to hear from you. Hi, Wendy. So glad that you're here. Okay. I love this. Uh, this is uh, Nora Ephron used to do this thing with her friends. And she would say, what are the five words to you use to describe yourself? And that we all, you know, should know on a daily basis. And that these words change that there was a time in my life where I would have said daughter as one of the first words out of my mouth, right? And I'm still a daughter, uh, but my parents are no longer living. So it's not one of my top five words on my list. But what are the words that you use to describe yourself? Um, and I would encourage you to think about the people that you love and like, what are the five words that you would use to describe them? Um, and, and I think it's a great way to start out the year. Uh, I, uh, I was so moved um, by, you know, obviously we lost Betty White um, last week and it was just so devastating, right? Um, but in watching some of the documentaries about her, she was someone who um, 
was very involved in animal rights and said, you know, these the animals are my friends. They're my life. They're my family. Animals, are my friends. And, and she said, you know, I get up every morning and I, I go to work um, so that I can support my animal charities. And um, I'm trying to think of the phrase now because it had such an impact on me last week. But um, there, somebody, some, she was, somebody was saying that um, she was an advocate, not an activist. And they said, and there's a difference between the two. And I really, really loved that because we talk about activism here and being an advocate. But one of the things that I, uh, that's very high on my list right now is that I want to be an ally. And it is important to me first and foremost, because that is, I want to be an ally for my son. And I, he will tell you, I don't always get it right. But my pledge here to, to you and to him is I am always going to try. And as we move forward with Autism Live and the Autism Network, for me, there are many things that I, that I still have to say. Obviously, I'm a talker. But there are many things that I want to hear and that is the direction that we are going in. That I hope that in a couple of years, I get to retire. And I want for when I retire, I want for this space to be occupied um, by more people and we have to make room for that. And that is the direction that I'm going. And it is critical to me critical that a large part of that voice be individuals who are neurodivergent. So, uh, you know, ally is one of my biggest words right here. I love that Shannon has written in and said, daughter, mother, wife, social butterfly, and good listener. Well, Shannon, I really, I want to be the good listener. For me, it's aspirational, uh, but I'm working on it. I'm working on it, but I, I love that. Uh, Sharmila says, different but not less. This is what I say to my nine-year-old high-functioning autistic who constantly asks me whether he is any less than others. Oh, please put that in his backpack, that he is amazing, that he is wonderful. Uh, and uh, our journey, Cameron's new life says, love, courage, strength, caring, peaceful. Uh, so, uh, Wendy says, so inspiring. Thank you for those thoughts. I hope it's true. I believe my son would soar in a better world, but our society likes boxes and he is a circle, you know? <clears throat> yes, Wendy. Yes. But there are more circles and there are more circles stepping forward. And there are people who are starting to say, I don't know, I might be a trapezoid. Um, and I think when I, when I think of neurodiversity, by the way, the term neurodiversity includes so many things. It includes autism, but it includes ADHD. Um, you know, if you see the world from a different place, then neurodiversity is big enough for everybody. Here's what I love about neurodiversity. And we didn't, we didn't really get to this before is that notice that it does not say disability because it isn't, it's a variant. It means your brain works in the way that your brain works. When we look at the definition of ASD, ASD, one of the words is disorder. And, and I think we have to acknowledge that and be honest about it, that there are individuals who the way their autism manifests 
Um, it isn't the autism itself that it's a, that's a disorder, but there is a byproduct of it that can have be a disorder. Um, <clears throat> but there are many people that I know, excuse me, who they have a brain that functions differently that we would call on the spectrum, but they are not disabled. They do not have a disorder. And so I've been saying for a long time, why don't we have a term that is autism without disability? Where is that term? And I, I am taking shelter in neurodiversity because I believe that there is space in there for that. Do I think that there is another word? Because I think we're all neurodivergent. Um, I don't think any of our brains work exactly the same. I think if we all were to sit down in a room and go, this is what my brain does, that some of us would go, yeah, you know what? Mine does that too. Or really? Mine doesn't do that at all. I think, you know, but we don't as a society sit down and talk about all that stuff. So, um, but, but I do think it's important. I want to start acknowledging the parts of, of this, you know, neurodivergent brain with autism that is not a disorder. Um, and then let's look at the parts. Um, let's let's look at the parts that are where it's not functional, and then let's teach. I'm a teacher. Let's teach. We we have the tools now. We know what works to teach that. Okay, so we got to move on to the next topic. Uh, to the next thing, Draven's like, we're, you're on the topic. Say the topic. Uh, <laughs> Draven's gonna get the hook and and take me out. So our topic uh, for the week is this exactly. Uh, we are, we are right on the money here that I love this. This is a quote from Howie Mandel. I want to get t-shirts made that say this, that let's start talking about this ability, not disability. I don't know about the rest of you. Um, but I was raised in a home where my mother would never have used the word disability. My mother would never have used the word handicapped, but anyone who was a doctor would have told you that my mother had a disability and that she had a handicap. She was born with both feet facing backwards. They, as, as a baby, they broke both of her legs repeatedly to move the feet around and they did multiple surgeries. She, on one of her feet, it was, uh, it was a shorter foot. It was almost like a stump with toy, uh, with toes, not toys. Um, and she uh, was in a wheelchair for a lot of my youth or on crutches or, you know, sometimes in a cast because they continued to do things, had braces. There were at least two times in my childhood where they were talking about amputating one or both of her legs. Um, and, and for me, that was normal. That was just Tuesday. And um, we just sort of accepted it as a child. I believed that when I grew up and became a grown-up lady, I would get a limp. That was my understanding of it as a child. That's how normal this was in my life. But my mother stopped for nothing at all. My mother um, played high school basketball, girls basketball with two braces on her legs. And the people on her team, they would understand she could not run to the other end of the court. So they changed what they did so that they would throw her the ball. And she got really good at, at making baskets from far away. That was just reality for her. And it was reality for the girls who played on our team. I don't understand anything else. I don't. Every time I go in a building, I 
think, how would my mother get in this building? Um, and I don't think about it from a point of view of sadness or it just would be like, how would I get my mother in this building? Do they have a ramp? You know, how, you know, where would we have to park? How would we like my brain just works that way. And my mother never. I, listen, when I was in kindergarten, my mother was studying to be a registered nurse. She was an LPN and she was studying to be a nurse. And we were, there was a busy road right in front of the house that we were in. And there were houses across the street. And one afternoon we were sitting outside. It was the sixties, you know, and um, it was a hot day. And I think we had a kiddie pool in the front yard. My mother had three little kids and she could hear screams from a house that was across the street and three houses down, we could hear just screams coming. Um, and my mother was on crutches, uh, but she was studying to be an RN and she knew that something horrible was happening. And she said to my sister, who would have been six at the time, I would have been four, my brother would have been two. She said, watch your siblings, don't go anywhere. And I watched my mother uh, stop traffic with her crutches, cross the street, uh, there was a hedge that was like a three and a half foot hedge. She pole vaulted over the hedge using her crutch as a thing, got to the house where a child, they were having a birthday party and a child had fallen in the pool. Nobody had noticed it. And the child was non-responsive and, you know, they were afraid that she had drowned. And my mother was the person who did uh, you know, the whole thing, got the water up, did the, you know, the whole, you know, compressions. I don't even, you know, CPR, is that what that is? But my mother saved that little girl's life. My mother was on the news, you know, it was in the paper and my mother did that on crutches. So I don't know, you know, if you called my mother dis disabled, she would have been like, what are you talking about? Um, and if you called her handicapped, she would have been like incensed. It was not how she saw herself. And I never saw her that way. Uh, I saw her as someone, you know, that was different, but it certainly did not make her less. So I think this is the ticket. Disability, not disability. Um, so there you go. That's that's where we're talking about this week. Um, and I don't know any different. And um, that has been a blessing in my life to not know any different. Um, and when, when, my son was different, it gave me a quicker path to be able to go, okay, so what are we, what's the workaround? What are we going to do? What does he need to know? Um, how do I make it so that I take as many of the hurdles in front of him out of the way? Let's accept him for exactly who he is and, and let's see what, you know, what's there, but how, what's the workaround? Uh, okay. So that's, that's my platform folks. I've gone on way too long. We got to get to some of these questions. So Parker says, uh, the Tebow night to shine prom in my area got canceled due to it being all virtual. I don't attend that event, but I have friends that do. What can I do? Not only help comfort those friends, but since the event is a great advocacy, how can the community help to replace it? It's a great question, Parker. And I hope maybe some of our other viewers maybe have ideas. It's so tragic that once again, we're, we're seeing cancellations for COVID. I don't think it's forever. I don't think it's forever. My question would be, are they postponing? Is it possible that we're, we're going to be able to do this in April, May, June, um, you know, because we've, we've already seen things go up and then things got to a place where they were a little bit more normal and now we're back up again. But 
I believe that we're, you know, we're going to a place that's better. Um, so can we reschedule? And in the interim, is there an online uh, social event? People have had weddings online. People have had dances online. People have been doing theater online. Is there a way that we can put some, it's not going to be equal to what it would have been, but is there some sort of thing? And I'm, and I'm taking suggestions from um, the viewers. What would you guys suggest to make something that softens the blow because we've all had to cancel some things lately, right? Um, Parker also says for the contest, does the logo have to have a puzzle piece or does an infinity loop count? Self-advocates like myself are stepping away from the puzzle piece. I have to be honest, Parker. Uh, we have made a decision to step away from the puzzle piece as well. Um, it can include a puzzle piece. It will certainly be considered, but it's I don't think it's a I, I don't I don't think it's the um, the thing for us to be honest, but I don't know, maybe somebody has got a new puzzle piece way of looking at things that will, uh, make us excited. Uh, we're going to be looking at whatever somebody sends. Everything is fair game, everything. But I think if you watch the show, I think you probably would be like, yeah, no, probably not a puzzle piece, right? It's been done. I don't think it identifies. We're, we're really looking for the autism network to be something that's all encompassing. Um, so where everybody's welcome. Uh, and NH said, I know exactly what you meant when you said, I thought I'm going to blow this. I worry that I'm not doing enough, the right thing every day. The anxiety is too much. Sometimes I just want to say to you, yes, been there, done that. But the equation that I love is strength over time equals power. That does not say perfection over perfection every day or even perfection over time. Um, it's strength over time equals power. So, and I love what Dr. Grand Pichet always says, which is if you do enough of the right things often enough, good things come to pass. Woo! What a, what a way to live, right? If you do enough good things often enough, things come to pass. So if you can build in to your everyday what did we, what am I going to do today? Right. I'm going to do one thing today. I'm going to do one thing and I'm going to do the best that I can. And at the end of the day, you go, did I do the one thing? Did I do the best that I could? And if I didn't do the best that I could, how can I change that for, for tomorrow and forgive myself for not being perfect? Um, that, you know, that's how, that's how I, this is what I learned, uh, quickest, with after my son's diagnosis is that, and I, and I keep saying, if I could just apply this to the rest of my life, I would be the most successful person in the world. Right. And I try, I try every day to, to sit, but what worked was saying we're on a journey and on the journey, there's going to be stops and falls. We're going to check in along the way, but we're just going to do the we're gonna one foot ahead of each other. Right. What does Dory say? Just keep swimming. I'll bet that you're amazing. Somebody once said to me, uh, you know, they asked me if I was a good parent. And I was like, oh, gosh, I don't think so. I'm, I just feel like I'm not getting it done. I don't. And they said, I'm going to stop you. It's a it, <laughs> it's like a trick question, because when somebody if you say to somebody, are you a good parent? And if they go, yes, I'm fabulous, then maybe. But when somebody goes, oh, I don't know. Absolutely. Great parent. Uh, <laughs> great parent, because there is no perfect. Right. I'll bet you're doing an amazing job. And all you have to do is an amazing job today.
Uh, do the best you can today. And then tomorrow, do the best you can tomorrow. And all of those things, strength over time equals power. I guarantee you, it makes a big, big difference. Um, okay. Amanda sent her blue hearts. Amanda, I so love your blue hearts. Uh, hi, Wendy. Uh, Parker says, like, for example, I can't do calculus for the life of me. So I'm low functioning, but I know food stuff like how to eat ribs properly. I am high functioning in that. Yes, absolutely. Uh, I remember not being good at something and I was like, you know, I, I was working as a job as a, a receptionist and I was not good at it. I didn't, I couldn't type fast enough and I kept making errors and they really weren't happy with me. And eventually they were like, this isn't going to work. Right. And I was like, oh, I'm a terrible person. I didn't, I wasn't a good receptionist. And my roommate said to me, they're not going to engrave that on your, on your headstone. You can't be good at everything. So don't be a good receptionist, go do something else. <laughs> and I was like, oh, I don't have to be good at everything. I could be good at some things and not other things. We all can. Uh, we all need to just find our place and our acceptance of ourselves, right? That's where we're going with all of us, wherever we are. Uh, okay. I'm looking at what you guys are writing in. Wendy says, my son has ASD and ADHD. And, you know, we're seeing for the longest time, the definition of ASD did not allow for there to be a dual diagnosis. And now, now, finally, they acknowledge that, yes, this is a part of this, that you can have ASD and you can have a type of ADHD, which is great. But Wendy, I would encourage you to watch our shows where we talk about diet. Because there are, we, we are seeing more and more that diet plays a role in uh, ADHD-like behaviors. That one of the big deals is, I know, it's like, here we go. Um, she's going to get on a soapbox. I'm not. But we have seen since the first study came out in 2011, so that's over a decade ago, showing that there is a correlation between um, ADHD-like behaviors and the amount of pesticide in someone's urine. So, uh, and that when you reduce the pesticide load, that people have uh, the ability to focus more and have less of that, you know, ADHD-like behavior. It's not just the pesticides, it's our also, also the artificial colors and flavors. And there are some colors that just set kids off. And the thing that I always say is if you, if you doubt this, and people do, but I, I always say go to a birthday party where they're serving cake that where the cake has lots of colors. I was at a Halloween party and it was a black cat cake with black icing and red, you know, uh, eyes and, and the whole thing. And all the kids were having a good time at the party and they served the cake. My kid didn't eat the cake because, you know, we weren't doing that. And um, I just sat there and watched the whole party fall apart. I watched every single kid turn into a different person and you could set your clock by it. It was like, okay, they ate the cake 10 minutes later. It was mayhem. And, and I was like, does no one else see this? So experiment for yourself, but you know, people see a real difference and the organic thing, it's a real thing. I, you know, we discovered that anyway. Uh, okay. Uh, 
Okay. And Parker says, I heard from the church that it is canceled for this year. Well, um, but you know, maybe if the community starts talking about, well, what can we do instead? Maybe this is canceled, but maybe later in the fall or in the summer, they'll have something else and it won't be the prom, but maybe they'll call it something else. Maybe it'll be the start of something new. Mary says, hi, thank you for this. I have four boys ranging from 19 years down to nine months old. Uh, I, I, it's, you say, I'll have autism, ADHD, sensory issues, and other things. I have one daughter, 21 years old. She has ADHD. Love your broadcast. Mary, love you too. My goodness. You know what they say? Uh, you know, your hands are full, but your heart is even more full. Boy, you got a full heart. That sounds like a really wonderful, wonderful family that you're building there. Please let us know if there's any question that you have. Uh, Wendy, Wendy says he eats nothing because of his sensitivity. He eats 10 menu items. So that's called food selectivity. And, um, you know, if Dr. Grampy Shea were here and she's going to be on tomorrow, you might want to write in a question for her. Uh, she's a specialist in food selectivity. And, and I know from, you know, listening to her answer questions for 10 years that the first question she would want to know is what are the 10 items that he will eat? Because that's the basis that you start from. So if you want to, Wendy, write in and tell us what the 10 items are that he will eat. And we'll have Dr. Grampiche answer a question about how do you work to broaden his diet. They've got lots of studies on this and I've seen lots. Here's what's great about being in this community this long um, is that and doing shows for this long is that I've been able to see people write in and go, my kid will not eat. You know, there was the lady that we call the strawberry mom that years ago when we were like a year old on the show, she wrote in and she was like, I just want my child to be able to eat a strawberry. He will not eat a strawberry. He's traumatized by a strawberry. And, you know, her, it was like six months of working on it, doing what the experts were telling her to do. But her, you know, it's so old now, like he's been eating strawberries for 10 years. Um, like progress can be made. It's just slow. But again, that's relative, right? Because if in 10 years, your child could eat all the things, you'd be like, woohoo, that's a win, right? So maybe write and tell us what the 10 things are. And Parker says diets are not a one size fits all like GFCF is good for some, but not good for others. That's absolutely true, Parker. Everything that we talk about is, is you know, you got to consider the individual. Uh, I, and Parker goes on to say, I had a friend which read 40 made her hyper and bounce off the walls. That is how I know. Absolutely. And red 40 does that to a lot of people. I know a very neurotypical young man who had a really hard, difficult childhood because, you know, teachers were labeling him the problem child. Right. Um, and you know, his friends and family, we were like, he's a lovely human being. What's the problem here? And then mom discovered that he was reactive to red 40. He was just little, little when she discovered it. And suddenly, you know, he became, you know, all that he could be because he wasn't having to deal with a red 40. And even he, I remember being at a party when he was six years old and somebody offered him something and he was like, no, that makes the monster come out in me. I don't want that. And it was like something that every, like a cupcake with red frosting. And he was like, no, it makes this monster come out in me. I don't want that. Uh, and, and you know, I mean, I'm allergic to chocolate and I know, don't cry for me. 
Uh, can you imagine how much I would weigh if I wasn't allergic to chocolate? But I, you offer me chocolate and I go, oh, no, I don't want that. That makes me feel bad. Uh, I, why would I want that? I, you tell me that it tastes good, but I don't want that. So yeah, red 40 is an icky, icky thing. Uh, Amanda says, you definitely want to watch those artificial colors with ADHD. It makes a big difference in my daughter who has ADHD. Lots of good alternatives. Now you'd be surprised what has artificial colors in it. I think, uh, Chick-fil-A waffle fries have artificial colors. All right. We don't have uh, confirmation on that. Let's uh, let's check that out. But that would be shocking and terrible if it did. And Mary says, uh, yes, ma'am. Uh, most definitely full house. Never a dull moment in this house. I love that. Uh, okay. We are out of time, you guys. But I am so thrilled to have been here with you today and to start this new journey with you tomorrow. Ask Dr. Doreen the first time on a Tuesday. Let's give her a big warning, warm, a big, not a warning, a big warm welcome uh, for 2022. You can be writing in your questions. If you ever want to send the question directly to me, you can reach me at Shannon at autism-live.com. You can uh, soon, you'll be able to reach me at Shannon at autismnetwork.com, but not yet. I don't have it set up yet, so don't do it. Um, but we're back tomorrow. I love you. We're on this journey together. Ooh, sending you big hugs, giving you my hands. We hold hands. We can do this together. Si se puede. All right. Uh, different, but not less. Let's do it. Uh, see you tomorrow. Until then, give your kiddos a hug from me and one for you too. Bye-bye for now.